You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And uh, we have a special treat. Jackson is actually in studio today. So we're uh, we're going to try and knock one out here uh, together. So, you know, the audio quality will be a lot better. So how you doing, Jackson? I'm doing good. Feeling better from last week. <laughs> Getting there a little bit. Um, just had some tasty food. Um so uh, if anyone in uh, Clovis Fresno wants to sponsor us with a free lunch <laughs> on my way over to your house on Wednesdays, uh, maybe that's something we could consider down the road. We're, we're going to have to start a, a GoFundMe account uh, to pay for uh, Jackson and Lucio's lunch when we do these podcasts. Uh, so maybe maybe I'll set one up. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But Jackson, uh, it was quite a, a game this past week. Uh, Bulldogs came out uh, firing and then pretty much stalled after the first series um you know making it making some, one of us or making us wonder whether or not the bulldogs were ready for this game even though they had a bye week prior to to coming into this one UNLV uh seemed that they were a lot more prepared than the bulldogs were at first yeah i mean the bulldogs they had an excellent first drive and then yeah not much went well after that for the rest of the half i mean i was trying to remember the last time it felt that disgruntled in the stadium going into halftime. I heard a few boos. And, <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, some fans saying some not-so-nice things to the Bulldogs as they <laughs> left the field down 17-7. And really, when they came out of halftime and punted after four plays, I was I was about ready to think that this thing just never was going to turn around. And then that very punt, UNLV fumbles it, Bulldogs recover, and it was almost all Bulldogs for the rest of the way until a late comeback from UNLV. Um, so, you know, they did make some key halftime adjustments. I know Coach McCann drastically changed their approach. They gave up on all the underneath stuff they were throwing in the first half. But, um, you know, I think it really does take some sort of momentum to make some of that stuff go into effect. And thankfully, the Rebels basically handed it right over to the dogs as far as that's concerned. Um, it got real scary at the end. UNLV probably should have sent that thing into overtime or a game-winning two-point conversion opportunity, but thankfully it, it didn't happen for them for the Bulldogs. Well, technically they should have they should have tied that one up, but the the wide receiver uh, pretty much had a lapse in 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 concentration there for a second because that ball bounced off his hands off the top of his helmet and hit the ground. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, everybody in the stadium was holding their breath after that. And then the very next play, Fresno State intercepts it and uh, and puts an end to that game. It could have been a lot different had he made that catch. That Then, then the UNLV would have had a choice, whether to go for the two-point conversion and the win or send it into overtime. Now, we've already done one overtime this year. I was not ready for another one, Jackson. <laughs> so, uh, But it seemed like after that, um, UNLV you know, pretty much let one slip through their fingers, right, Jackson? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was rough to watch, too. I mean, I... I you know, I grew up watching Bulldog games. I would have taken any win in any way. I don't care you know, <laughs> who, who suffers. But, uh, you know, now, especially in this spot, being in the media and watching that, that Rebel miss that play and the emotions after that, I mean, uh, I, mean I got to admit, I felt pretty bad for him. And then the next play, I believe it was the same guy got crushed pretty good as the interception happened. And, man, he was just really – really going through it, as you could imagine. And so uh, uh, by Coach Coyle's words, by the grace of God, <laughs> he said that ball didn't get completed. So um, uh, you got to look at it the other way if you're Fresno State with the good fortune. Uh, also, the must punt. I mean, a few things had to go right for the Bulldogs to get rolling in this game and for them to finish it off. And it's kind of been that season. I mean, other than Wyoming, they've been in a lot of these games. They're 4-1 and one and one-score games this season, and that's – about the best record they've had since like 2002. Uh, Gabe put up a pretty good story about that this week, about how this team has been pretty clutch. <laughs> you know, other teams haven't. You know, that was as by signs of the Rebels, as by signs of Utah State throwing that pick that they had at the end of the game against the Bulldogs. Um, 
Eastern Washington, again, another interception by the dogs at the end of that game. And uh, both the offense and the defense coming up big late at Purdue. So it's been one of those seasons. And, you know, I don't necessarily think it's luck. I just think, you know, when you have a Jeff Tedford and you have a coaching staff around him and these players that are so experienced and they've been through this and even the new faces, guys like Mikey Keene have been through it at other schools. Some of the younger Bulldogs that are now in starting roles, they saw this team go through things like in 2021 where they gave up a heartbreaker at Hawaii and they had the infamous Boise State game that year. So I think a lot of that stuff is translating over. You know, Unfortunately, they weren't able to overcome the Wyoming one, but for the most part, I think you know all the ingredients in the Bulldogs' locker room are what ultimately makes them make one more play than some of their opponents so far. Yeah, and and it seems to be the same player over and over every week yeah. here. Uh, you know, again, he comes up with an interception at the end of the game. I mean, how, how many times can he do this? <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for Lavelle Bailey. <laughs> and, uh, still, you know, he's kind of coming off injury. I think he was 100% in that game or close to it. But the last time we saw him at Utah State, he was nowhere near it. Um, so it was a good thing that he was available and healthy and made that play. He's got two game ceiling interceptions now. He had a deflection at Purdue that put that one away. I mean, I I was so excited about Lavelle Bailey coming out of high school, uh, but I thought he was going to be a safety. So that, I think I see some of that at linebacker. You know, he's got good ball skills and he sees things. He played a lot of quarterback in high school. So, um, you know, he's got a good eye for what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. And, it's been really neat to see him develop and bulk up and become that linebacker and be now a leader on this team. You know, they lost a lot of star faces and names from last year's team. And a lot of times that next team, even though you have some reliable guys, it's just not quite enough to overcome losing players like that. But this team so far has done a pretty good job. You know, there's not quite a David Perales on this team. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily a Nico Remigio type offensive weapon, but enough of the guys have rallied together uh, to pull off these late plays and to, to be a, a pretty solid team. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at this game, the way things kind of sh- shaped out, that uh, that third quarter right after the Bulldogs' first possession, I believe was the key to the this uh, to this game where the muffed punt uh, happened. Uh, I think after the muff pump happened, the the whole dynamic of this game shifted completely. Uh, not only did uh, things start rolling the Bulldogs' way, but it also got the crowd back into it, who were pretty, uh, let's just say, pretty disgruntled <laughs> at, after halftime and, and going three and out on their uh, first initial drive there. Uh, they weren't too happy, so to speak. But then once that muff punt happened, the crowd came alive and got back into it and uh, ultimately helped the Bulldogs get where they needed. But it, it just seemed like after that play, it, there was a lot of good fortune happening for the Bulldogs <laughs> after that. Right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs score right after that. Then the defense forces a three and out. Offense scores again. Then Dean Clark gets the interception. Bulldogs get a quick field goal. Very next UNLV play is another turnover, a fumble. I mean, and then the Bulldogs score another touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 31-17 to in a matter of moments, it felt like. So, um, I mean, that was, again, before that muff punt, I'm wondering how the Bulldogs are going to get to 20 points <laughs> right and if that's going to be enough well <laughs> i mean what i think my i ended up doing my projection would have uh, was the bulldogs 35 uh unlv 21 I, I mean i was pretty close but i didn't expect it to happen the way that it did uh and uh and so i actually thought that the bulldogs were going to be able to kind of jump out to a lead early in the game and then be able to kind of fend off UNLV. However, it seemed like the Bulldogs were playing from behind for a lot of that game <laughs> until they finally had an uh, offensive explosion. Um, but then after that, they just seemed to kind of stall after they got that last one and just couldn't couldn't chew up the clock, so to speak, in order to put that one away. Um, they gave way too much time to UNLV, and UNLV almost made them pay for it. So uh, I don't know. Is this going to be an ongoing issue for the Bulldogs, especially heading into you know the game against Boise State? You start doing that with Boise State, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna put a hurting on you, right? Um, you know, the interception was rough uh, in the fourth quarter. It felt like when the Bulldogs got to 31-17 that it was a wrap. And then the next thing you know, UNLV scores, and it's like, wait a minute, uh-huh. it's a seven-point game. And then 
Keen throws the pick, and wait a minute, it's a uh, seven-point game, and UNLV's got the ball. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and the dogs, uh, they had one more chance to put it away, and they go three and out, and I almost crossed my mind. I know Tedford would never do it, but fourth and two, even at your own 10-yard line, I mean, you get those two yards, you can pretty much milk the clock away and win that game. I almost would take my chances, I think, instead of putting the ball back in UNLV's hands. If, I mean, I was looking at that going, you know, what a perfect time for a fake punt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, because what I, you know, and it probably would have worked because what I was watching when they did punt it, uh, UNLV didn't even rush the, the punter. So they, it would have been a prime opportunity for a fake punt, you know, just get that, those extra two yards and, and pretty much run out the clock. But when they punted it away, I was like, yeah, there's too much time on the clock, (laughs) way too much time. And especially the way that they were starting to move the ball, um, they were taking shots downfield and, and becoming very successful at it. So uh, when they realized that the running game was just not going to do it for them, they started opening it up with the off with the the passing, and they were being successful and and really making some headway. So I was kind of surprised UNLV didn't abandon the run after a point and just continue to just pass because they ultimately were doing good. Although except for that last interception, <laughs> of course. Um, but UNLV tried to stay with their game plan and just continue to run the ball because I believe that's where they've had most of their success all season long. Um, and the Bulldogs were ready for, to, to kind of uh, slow down their running game, which they did on a number of occasions. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what kind of defense Fresno State's going to do this week against Boise because that right now... I don't think you or or I have any clue what the hell Boise's doing at this point. (laughs) You know, honestly, I don't even know if Boise knows what they're doing at this point. Uh, But that's going to be something to be ready for interpretation as we get ready to uh, break that down. But let's let's take a look at some of the key moments. What what did you see that kind of stood out this past game that uh, ultimately led to the Bulldogs winning? You know, barring all of the uh, turnovers. What what are some of the other key moments that you saw? You know, for me, just the general run defense because you know the week, the game before against Utah State, the Aggies. You know, you knew every game they've been throwing fifty yard pass, forty yard pass. Uh, would the Bulldogs stop it? And they really didn't. I mean, the Aggies still scored a bunch of big plays on the Bulldogs. Thankfully, they they outscored them enough to win that game. And UNLV was kind of a similar story. They always break these big runs against no matter who they play. So were they going to? do that against the Bulldogs and would Fresno state be able to deal with that and kind of recover against some stuff they're not used to. And, you know, UNLV really didn't break any big runs. They had a 24 yard run. They had a 12 yard run. That was about it. I mean, they ran 43 times, 156 yards. I mean, a busy day for the defensive front and the linebackers, but I mean, not only did they keep them under wraps, but they kept assignment sound as far as the triple option and, the read option and the stuff they were getting. They never let one get behind them. Uh, probably the most exciting play UNLV had all day uh, in the run game got called back when they threw that pitch and it was went forward. I mean, that was pretty neat, <laughs> even though it was, it was for the other team. But. Yeah, I'm looking at that going, um, yeah, that was a whole yard ahead of, uh, ahead of him. I don't think that counted. And sure enough, here it comes back again. Uh, so that uh, that did that that was a lucky break for the Bullocks because had they broke that one, I think things wouldn't have uh, turned out the way they did. Uh, because I think that ultimately ended up them stalling on their on their drive after that point, right, Jackson? I, I believe so. I didn't think they they did anything else after that one, and then gave the ball back to the Bulldogs. Uh, so, you know, when, when things like that happen, you're essentially shooting yourself in the foot and that's exactly what UNLV did. Um, but you know, the Bulldogs, kudos to the Bulldogs. They, they actually shut down this, uh, UNLV run game that was being very successful all season long, uh, essentially forcing them to get out of their comfort zone and pass the ball, which, you know what, by the way, they did very well. I mean, they did do very well. They broke a couple of big plays. Um, but it also ultimately led to their lone interception that cost them the game as well. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, that was an odd game, so to speak. Uh, first quarter, entertaining. Second quarter, 
I wanted to gouge my eyeballs out um, along with just about everybody else in the stadium at that point. Um, but then once the third quarter turned around, uh, the explosion of points happened. And that's when the game started to become uh, a lot more entertaining. And then the fourth quarter, you wanted to just kind of go h- find a corner and hide uh, to make sure that the Bulldogs ended up winning this one. Uh, but last thing we wanted was another overtime, right, Jackson? That's <laughs> last thing we wanted, especially heading into a game against Boise. Um, that wouldn't have been a good thing. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's just rough. It's rough. Uh, now, uh, now that Fresno State has taken on and, and, and really back in the driver's seat, uh, of their own destination, uh, destiny of trying to get into that championship game, uh, they have to now go through Boise State, who also only has one loss on the record. So this is a must-win game. I hate saying this, but it's always a <laughs> must-win game now from now until the end of the season, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, some games feel more must-win than others, and this is definitely the one on the schedule. But, I mean, if you lose any of these next four, you might get left out of the conference championship game. Um the good news is that, oh, well, I guess we'll cover more of this later, but, I mean, Air Force is going to have to play Boise and UNLV, so, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams with two losses. There may not be anyone with one loss if, you know, unless the Bulldogs or the Broncos run the table here, so, uh, or maybe someone knocks off Air Force and then it gets muddy at number one. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, then it'll become really interesting after yeah. that. Um, so that's what we're hoping is the Air Force picks up a loss from now until then. Not only, uh, not not only to knock them down and give the Bulldogs a chance to host a, a conference match or host the conference championship, um, but uh, you know it needs to be a loss within conference play too, Jackson. Right, so that yeah. they give them a, a chance to do that. And they've got Army this week, so they're out of conference, and they go to Hawaii after that. So th- their last two games are going to be tough, but uh, it's going to be a bit of a waiting game, most likely. So um, it's going to be a lot of a scoreboard watching. That's what's going to be happening this week um, because there are some, uh, you know, there's a, uh, well, not really key games. Um, I don't see much happening this week, Jackson. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be status quo. It, the Bulldogs just need to take care of business against Boise. That is probably the game of the week. Uh, f- um, for the conference, and so Fresno State is going to be hosting. Boise State's going to be coming in, and we all know Boise likes to come talking a lot of smack. Jackson, um, <laughs> they've been doing it all season, even when they weren't very, even though they were struggling early on. But you and I had already made the comment early uh, earlier in one of these podcasts that um, we were hoping that Boise wasn't going to figure out that the best quarterback was the freshman. Well, they figured it out. And so what does that mean for the Bulldogs now? Now that now they've got a quarterback that's actually efficient and they actually have to worry about this guy. Yeah. Um, they're still going to run two quarterbacks <laughs> and they're still calling Taylor green, their starter, but I'm sure the box score is going to look a lot like what they did last week where Maddox Madsen throws 15 passes, Taylor green only threw six. Um, so, I mean, it certainly looks on paper like Madsen had a much larger role, but They'll have Green out there. They'll run the ball a lot with him and around him. Uh, it's interesting, too, because I'm around practice right now, and there's not a lot of quarterbacks on Fresno State's roster that are healthy. They only got four, and three of them are on scholarship. And so I can't imagine they're, they've got a lot to pick from as far as doing scout team stuff right now and giving different looks. I, I've been trying to ask about that. They haven't shared a whole lot. but um, So that's going to be... Interesting. I think the big thing here is that in the championship game against Boise State, they figured out Green so well. They forced them to pass the ball, and he didn't do it very well. And Fresno State kind of cruised to a victory after they got that lead. Um, so they, it's not quite going to be that if Maddox Madsen is throwing the ball pretty efficiently. Again, last week he was 12 for 15 for 147 yards. Um, kind of the X factor for me is that Will they have a second receiver step up? Their guy, Eric McAllister, had seven catches for 160 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, The coaching staff is talking pretty highly about this guy. But, um, you know, last week, Ricky White did quite a bit against the Bulldogs as well, and it wasn't enough. And they never really had that second receiver step up, even though they had some options. So, um, I mean, I think you can give up 
uh, a little bit in the running game and you can let one receiver go off and I think you can get past Boise State um, but you know if their running game takes off or they have other receiving targets step up then it becomes just too much to cover at one time yeah I, I'm I've I find it kind of funny that they are they're still naming him the starter doesn't he have to actually start the game uh, in order to be the starter <laughs> yeah I mean they'll have him out there at the beginning and then <laughs> It'll be not as much of him throughout the rest of the game. Uh, it's a bizarre situation over there. And they have a new offensive coordinator this year, yet the offense seems like it's pretty similar to what we saw last year. I, I bet you anything at practice, uh, Fresno State is uh, for a mobile quarterback. They've probably got uh, one of the wide receivers playing <laughs> quarterback as a scout team quarterback. I, I mean, that's that's what I would look at it uh, because Green is the, the mobile quarterback. The, the packages he would be in for would typically mean a run, right, Jackson? Because he doesn't really throw that well. Yeah. Um, so uh, that might be what the Bulldogs are trying to do. Uh, but what, you know, how are they going to prepare? Well, the Bulldogs are going to prepare for both quarterbacks. But Fresno State's really going to have to try and figure out what they need to do in order to uh, to just slow down the the offense of Boise State long enough. Because I think for, uh, Boise's defense is not all that great, uh, at least not from what I can tell <laughs> in the few games that I've been able to see. Uh, you might have a difference of opinion, but. Uh, Colorado kind of Colorado State kind of stands out to me a little bit there. Uh, granted, you know the 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 uh, coach did do a bonehead move and remove all of his starters from that game, <laughs> only to have to put them all back in. So I, I don't know, Jackson. How do you see uh, this kind of shaping out? Is is the defense good enough for the the Fresno State offense? Well, I guess I'm going to pose the question. Let's match it up. Fresno State offense versus uh, Boise State's defense. How do they match up? Yeah, this Boise State defense, I mean, they've given up quite a bit of points in most games. You know, they don't scare me too much. They, they did give up only 18 to UCF, even in a loss. I mean, that was pretty solid. They held Wyoming to seven, which, I mean, you got to give them kudos after uh, Wyoming beat the dogs, of course. <laughs> I asked some of the players around that, uh, around the practice this week, what they thought about Boise State stomping on Wyoming. And, they all kind of feel like they should have stomped on Wyoming too and that they let that one get away. So no no one's really scared about Boise State winning that one 32-7 last week. Um, I mean, I would expect this game to be more of a grind than the last two. Uh, UNLV's defense traditionally has not been very good, neither has Utah State's. So while Boise State doesn't have a dominant defense per se, I think they're going to be a tougher one to go up against. It's going to be tougher to generate bigger plays and sustain drives consistently. Um, I don't think the Bulldogs will have five drives in a row or whatever it was like this past week where it seems like they're not doing anything, but I would probably expect less points for Fresno state than, I mean, they may not cross 30 points, but I think, you know, if the defense does what I think they can do, they can, that'll still be enough. I mean, most of these Fresno State, Boise State games have been pretty low scoring with Tedford's involved. So I, I think that's kind of what we're going to be in for here. Again, more of a grind offensively, but doesn't mean that they're going to lose because of it. Yeah, I've uh, I've totally forgot that when Tedford's involved, the, the Boise State games are usually low scoring because uh, I keep thinking back to that other game that was at home where we had the battle royale in the in the in the stands coming down to the field, um, and uh, I guess that that was uh, DeBoer who was the coach back then. So uh, yeah, I guess that does make sense uh, now that you bring that to my attention. Uh, uh, that was a complete blowout by Boise here in Fresno, and but like you said, statistics are on uh, Tedford's side. He's been able to kind of manage the score and keep them low scoring. And have been more in our favor with Tedford involved, uh, right, Jackson? I don't think – I think his record is better than – he has more wins against Boise than he does losses. I believe um, he's at 3-3, three and three, and oh. he deserves yeah. some extra credit because five of those games have been in Boise. So. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so that that does make a difference. I mean, Ted uh, Ted has been able to figure things out against Boise State. Um, granted, Boise hasn't done themselves a whole lot of favors uh, by their coaching hires <laughs> as of late. Uh, so um, I can guarantee you, if if uh, 
and and I'm kind of like hoping, secretly hoping this happens. If Fresno State is able to come out, blow out Boise State, that coach is fired the next day. <laughs> uh, but uh, but we may want him to stick around. Who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, but now on the flip side of things, you've got um, Fresno State's defense and Boise State's offense, and how do those two match up? Yeah, I mean, this is a Boise State team that's going to want to run the ball first and foremost. Uh, they're going to run it a lot. But they're very good at it. Yeah, They're O-line strong. They've got two outstanding running backs. But will they have two outstanding running backs on Saturday? Uh, the big question mark is Ashton Gianti. Is he going to be healthy? Uh, I mean, he's been a next-level guy for them this whole season. And then he exited their game against Wyoming, uh, was not able to finish after just six carries. So, um there's not a lot coming out of Boise this week. Does that mean he's healthy and they're keeping it under wraps? Does it mean he's going to be out for a while and they don't want the Bulldogs to know that either, so they're wasting their time preparing for him? Um, you know, really no idea at this stage of the week, so that's going to be a huge storyline on Saturday. Is Gianti going to be suited up? If he is suited up, I mean, is he 90%, 80%, less than that? Maybe he's not as good as we've seen him be all year, so... That's a big part of this game. The flip side, their other running back, George Halani, has been out all year up until just recently. So like a little bit of a trade, perhaps, if one's out and the other one's in. Holani uh, has given the Bulldogs a whole lot of trouble over his career, and so he's not exactly a, a great <laughs> substitute. To, you, know, you can't quite feel like you're taking it easy with him instead of Gianti, if that's the case. But, um, you know, in general... The Bulldogs have been very good against the run this year. They haven't given up hardly any big runs all season long. They just faced a very potent UNLV team, uh, challenging one to defend and prove that they can stop them without giving up the big runs. So, I mean, going into this game, I think Boise State is not going to b- break many big runs. I mean, they might get their three, four, or five yards a carry, but I don't think that's going to be enough to overpower Fresno State by any means. The the thing that gets scary is if they do pass the ball in addition to their run. I think that's what Wyoming really got the dogs shaken up on defense was that they were power running and then they were slinging it around <laughs> very efficiently, which in a way that they don't normally do. So um, I think the key for me is really keeping Boise State's passing game from getting going because I mean, if their running game is just average and their passing game is held under wraps too, they're not going to do much on offense, simply put. So... On the flip side, a mediocre running game paired with an explosive passing game is going to give Fresno State a lot of fits. So that's the biggest matchup in my mind in this game. Can they keep Madsen from changing this game with his arm and giving them an element they did not have in the championship game? Um, I feel good about Fresno State's chances here. I think the fact that the run defense is so good that this matches up well, um, but... You know, you never know for sure until you get there, as we all learned two years ago when Boise came to town. Yeah, and and if you if you do have Madsen in there, uh, do you come at him with a uh, a bunch of looks he's never seen before? You know, Grant, he's a freshman. Uh, it, I think a lot of people forget that he hasn't been able to he hasn't been around to see a lot of things yet. You know, do you come out with him with a completely new look? that the Bulldogs have never used before. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that it, that could be another option. Um, whether or not it, they can execute it, that's a different story. Uh, you know, do the Bulldogs have something in their uh, vault that they can bring out against uh, a freshman uh, quarterback and, and just try and confuse him a little bit? So that could be an option there. Uh, I mean, that's that would be that that would be what I would do. <laughs> Now, whether or not the Bulldogs would do it, that's a different story. You know, if if we could do that, we'd be the ones coaching, right, Jackson? <laughs> uh, well, they gave him something to look at or think about on film. Um, in that UNLV game, we saw Tua C.V. Nomura really play a, a pretty significant role in that game. And he went from being a defensive end to a stand-up linebacker from play to play. They ran some basic 4-3, which we really haven't seen much of this year or last year. Um, maybe against Wyoming they did it a little bit, so... Just purely by the matchup, they may throw some of that stuff at Boise State that they haven't done much of this season, and you know to, to combat that run. But the four-two-five also stopped the running game in the championship game, so you know I, I could see them mixing it up a little bit and, and using Nomura to catch them off guard a little bit. 
Yeah, I see them trying to change it up a little bit, coming out with some blitz packages, some things that they're not, they haven't shown all season. Um, you know, typically they usually do that every year against Boise. It's they they bring some stuff that they you haven't seen all season, uh, because usually Boise is one of the key matchups all year long, uh, and that's what they they try and plan for. Now, whether or not they're going to do something, that's that's yet to be seen. And but you know, this brings me back to one thing, Jackson, that I forgot about the last game. You know, I, I'm still trying to figure out when the Bulldogs kicked off, was that supposed to be a squib kick or was that supposed to be an onside kick? <laughs> I think you're confused as much as I was on that one. Uh, um, you know, I, I know they really respected their special teams going into that game. I don't know if they tried to catch them off guard a little bit with something, but yeah, I don't know about like, that one. Against UNLV, I was like, it looked like they were trying to make a weird bounce and hit one of the players, but it went all the way through and it ended up being a squib kick. So I don't know, something weird. Uh, but that, you know, that's besides the point. Let me, let's go back to Boise now. Um, so uh, another aspect of course is going to be special teams. And we saw how much special teams played a huge role against UNLV with, uh, you know, basically being in that, uh, punt returner's face and and making him nervous enough to to muff the punt um you know more of the same I, i'm guessing uh, fresno state's really going to try to make these guys uncomfortable try to get down there and and really uh try to excel on special teams because i think that's been one of the things that the bulldogs have been able to separate themselves from boise a lot it has been special teams play yeah and uh, I mean, you go back to the 2018 Mountain West Championship, that block extra point basically keeps the Bulldogs alive by Matt Boateng. And then the punt return. Yeah, the punt return in the championship last year. I mean, that was kind of like the muffed punt in terms of changing momentum of the UNLV game last week. I mean, it was back and forth. It was a grind. I think it was 3-0 at the time when Nico Remigio brings that punt back for a touchdown. And then again, the momentum continues. Interception, another score right after. Um, so, I mean, it really kickstarted the Bulldogs' efforts there. So, I mean, yeah, this is a game where uh, you're expecting it to be tight and close, and those types of plays can change. Uh, I mean, turn the game on its head but real quick. Um, yeah, the Broncos uh, are kicking touchbacks about 50% of the time, so there should be some chances to run some back on them. Their kicker's 10 for 13. He's got a 56-yarder on his resume this season. So uh, they've got a lot of range behind him. And uh, they've got a punter that's got a 71-yarder on the season. So uh, they've got some weapons on their uh, kickoff and, and punt teams. Um, Returns-wise, we'll see. You know, usually they've got someone that's pretty potent back there. Um, but we haven't really seen the Bulldogs give up too much of that since Purdue. Um no touchdowns for Boise State on kick returns this season. They do have a 49-yarder. That's as far as they've gotten on either kicks or punts so far. Yeah, so, it, I mean, special teams could play a factor into this game uh, and uh, could ultimately change the outcome of this game if the Bulldogs can can make a few plays on, on special teams and get things kind of rolling in their favor because it seems like the Bulldogs feed off of that, off of big plays from special teams. So if they can get that and get the momentum going, um, they could it could make things very difficult for Boise coming into, uh, coming into Fresno State. Now, one thing that's also we have to consider um, is this is a sold-out game. It's been sold out for over a week now uh, for this Boise State game. Whether or not it's going to mean butts in seats, Jackson, because we had a sell-out crowd last week, (laughs) but there was no – the stadium was not full by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that going to be more of the same this week or people actually going to show up for this one? Notoriously, this is a big game that people do tend to show up for. Yeah, this is the game you feel like it should look like what the number says for attendance. (laughs) I mean, it's Boise State. Everyone knows they got to be in the stadium for Boise State and uh, bring a different type of energy. I mean, like last year, uh, a lot of games had high attendance numbers, but that Oregon State one was really full and rocking from start to finish, even though they fell a little short at the end. Um, so, I mean, that was one thing that stuck out to me at the UNLV game. I mean, it's the fourth quarter, it's a seven-point game, and I'm looking around, and so many people left. And yeah, I know a lot of people have some valid reasons, you know, whether it's um, they're driving 
a good distance and they don't want it to be too late or potentially foggy. I know a lot of parents have kids. They don't want out that late, but man, <laughs> it's, it was sad. I mean, it was a sellout crowd and it looked like it was less than 50% full in the most critical moments. And I mean, that could have been a difference maker if they had that 40,000 strong cheering those types of games. Yeah, it's just it's sad to see. I mean, uh, I, I if, if it's one thing, I'm kind of disappointed by um, by how our fans kind of handle that. I mean, they they leave before the game is over, and even before you know. Ha- granted, had it been a blowout, I understand people are you know they want to get a head start, yeah. get get home. <laughs> but this game was not a blowout by any means. It was not uh, in hand whatsoever. I mean, UNLV almost came back and won that game. Mm. Um, Yet there was no crowd in the stadium. That that's that's the disappointing part, um, especially you know with a lot of fans out there who want the Bulldogs to get into another conference. You're not doing yourselves any favor by not staying for these games. I mean, yeah, especially if you got people around the country who are maybe tuning in at the end, or yeah. their other games that they're watching are ending, and they tune into Fresno State at the end, and they see that crowd, they will have no idea it was a sold out game. Yeah, <laughs> the way it looks and. I I took to Twitter around that time and I got like 50 responses from people and I know a lot of people aren't happy about the late kickoffs, but I mean, media rights are media rights and Fresno State's on the West Coast, so they're most likely going to play at 730 most weeks of the season. I mean, that's not going to change. So, you know, hopefully people can adjust a little bit. This week's game is at 7 p.m., but so, you know, that... Helps a little bit. <laughs> uh, get you out a little bit later. Hopefully those people can stay around longer. But, I mean, no, it's not just us. I mean, even Coach Tedford this week voiced his displeasure, talking about how you know he's looking around and, wait a minute, you know, we, this crowd's not that big now, and we really need a, a stop here late in the game. And uh, he talked about how the crowd gets loud on third downs, hot dog race <laughs> when they're giving out pizza he is something to that effect he said so or doing the or doing the wave at yeah. the wrong time <laughs> right so, uh, uh, tedford I, is, is calling on your help as well and i mean this is a hot topic because i uh, on top of the the tweet i put out which got a lot more engagement than i normally get uh we've got a thread on the board i put a thread out there just who's got ideas for how to help this? Uh, I mean, because again, the kickoffs aren't going to get any earlier. So what can we do? And that thread's got 133 comments. So if you want to check that out, uh, see what people are saying and maybe give your own input, just head over to the barkboard.com and go to the free barkboard page and, and check that out. Uh, a lot of good ideas out there and people discussing about how to, how to solve that a little bit. But I, I assume the fact that it's Boise State, that this game is so meaningful that it's going to be different. I think people know, hopefully, to get in their seat early and stay till the end, assuming it's a close game, and uh, stick it out a little bit, even if it gets late and if it gets a little cold, quote-unquote, 55 degrees. is not all that cold, but I know we're not quite used to that yet quite <laughs> for this time of year. But um, I'm yeah. loving it. I, I'm loving this weather. Uh, uh, but, you know, it, one of the things you brought up is that people are – uh, don't like the kickoff times and you know you said media rights or media rights well uh, if you don't like these kickoff times and you want to help donate more money to the bulldogs <laughs> I, I what else do you want us to say i mean that's uh, where ma- majority of what fresno state gets their funding from is these tv rights and if they want the game at at 7 30 at night and they want it on a thursday night guess what they're gonna play it on a thursday night <laughs> i mean that's just the way it works uh, whether or not you're at, in the stadium has nothing to do with what time uh, this game is going to end. It's you either want to be there or you don't. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, but let's get off of that soapbox and let's go back to the Bulldogs here. And, you know, after this game, um, you did uh, mention that uh, Fresno State picked up another commit um, uh, between UNLV and this week. So uh, what's the scoop on that one? Yeah, uh, just today I got to practice and I checked my phone and our guy Greg Biggins at 24-7 Sports broke that story about uh, Loyal Mozan. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Um, <laughs> now uh, it's your turn. Yeah, I, usually I got that down, but I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. Uh, Greg is, is our guy in SoCal and he's been really on top of uh, Mozan's uh, recruitment process. Um, he visited this weekend for a game. We, we had a story about that, previewing that, and 
the plan was for him to unofficially visit this past weekend and come back for an official. Um, Mazan liked everything so much that he just said, I'm going to commit right now and <laughs> make it official himself. So uh, he's locked up with the Bulldogs, um, a three-star recruit out of Long Beach Millican High School, uh, 85 rating in the three-star tier. So one of the better type of rated recruits Fresno State is typically going to get. Uh, he had Colorado State and UConn were two schools that were high on his list for a lot of his process. Arizona State did offer at one point. Uh, San Diego State nearby, Utah State, Washington State. So, I mean, this is a pretty significant get for the Bulldogs. He's listed as an athlete, expected to play defensive back. Um, 5'11", 160, probably more of a corner right now, um, but we'll see if they decide to, to shake that up at all. But, um, you know, a big get, and it's a class that is very uh, Central Valley heavy. So now it's kind of time where they're going to branch out a little bit, I guess, and see if they can snag a couple of recruits from L.A. and from the Bay Area and uh, really put the finishing touches on this high school class. Yeah, and we're getting close now to the December deadline uh, where the first wave of, of commits can actually sign their letter of intent. Um, and right now, uh, well, how many, how many are we up to right now, Jackson? Yeah, uh, this latest commitment brings the Bulldogs to 11 uh, or 12, excuse me. Um, no, no, 11's right. I, I just updated that there. So... Uh, and the top four are all Valley guys, which is crazy. Uh, you never see a class like that uh, for Fresno State. So uh, Muzan comes in at fifth. Um, I don't think we'll see too many more high schoolers in this class. Uh, they've been signing about 14, 15 in recent years, so I think we'll get there. Um, the Bulldogs have 13 players that are out of eligibility on this year's team that are on scholarship, so... Uh, the crazy part is once the season ends and you're going to have a bunch of people leave in the portal and uh, that's when you'll see this whole new wave of junior college recruits and transfer portal recruits uh, uh, from December to February. That'll be the big thing there. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see, um, you know, maybe a few more spots open up with players leaving Fresno State. Uh, hopefully Fresno is able to keep more than they actually leave. <laughs> um, and uh, that'll open up a few more spots where the Bulldogs are going to go out and use the transfer portal or the junior college ranks and try to pull in some some uh, talent that's already been established. And, uh, you know, Jackson, I think the biggest concern for the Bulldogs a lot of it has been the offensive line that still needs to be addressed uh that's probably going to be a point of emphasis when uh, when they're looking at the transfer portal or anything like that probably yeah I, I would think so it's just that's probably the hardest position to recruit yeah. for the portal right now um you know you see FCS starters hit the portal and Michigan all of a sudden is offering them. It's like there's, there's just no chance for Fresno State to get a lot of those guys. Um, so probably junior college is – I would expect the way to go there. Um, but we have seen the portal has been very profitable for Fresno State in getting quarterbacks and receivers and defensive backs. So uh, I think you'll see some more of that in this offseason. Yeah, so that's definitely going to be the route for the Bulldogs <clears throat> moving forward as we start getting to that deadline in December. We'll we'll start breaking that down even more for you as we get closer. We'll keep an eye out and see if there's going to be any surprises. Uh, very few times does Jackson get surprised on on recruits. <laughs> I, I've, I think since I've been doing this with him, he's only been surprised maybe once or twice. Uh, so he's usually on top of it and really knows who is going to be coming in for Fresno State. So uh, other than that, I mean, we'll we'll keep you updated as best as we can. Now that Jackson, now we turn our attention to what has happened in the Mountain West and what it means for the Bulldogs. Um, so we're going to go back and take a look at what has happened last week uh, from um, from the games and what does it mean for Fresno State. So last week <clears throat> we had Boise State took on Wyoming and one thing happened that we needed to happen and Boise State came out on top of that one knocking Wyoming back uh, which helps Fresno State. However, Boise State did it in convincing fashion and that's the <laughs> other thing we did not want to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they get momentum coming into Fresno which is not good. But And then also I just felt like all day Saturday was kind of like a frustrating feeling like Boise State 
has not been good this year, and they did that to Wyoming when Fresno State couldn't. And uh, I mean, especially when the Bulldogs were losing to UNLV, I felt like that was kind of hanging over some of the fans. Yeah. Uh, and then just the fact that now you look back at that Wyoming game, and it feels like it's even more frustrating because now the Cowboys have lost to Air Force, they've lost to Boise State, pretty lopsided against the Broncos. So, um, but at the end of the day, it is good for Fresno State get Wyoming out of that potential tiebreaker with the one loss because that would have been bad um now fresno state controls its own destiny but uh, so does boise state so one team is going to keep that title coming out of this weekend's matchup yeah that's definitely going to be a hard one to watch uh uh is boise state on level playing field with the bulldogs even though they've been a complete uh disaster all year long <laughs> right and they still control their own destiny i just it, it just seems like, you know, the signs all, the sun's always shining on those guys. I, I just don't, I don't get it. Um, but the next game that was on the record on the schedule was Air Force taking on Colorado State. Now, at one point, Colorado State was leading Air Force, and we were ecstatic because we were seeing <laughs> something that could possibly happen. And then, uh, you know, Colorado, sco- uh, Colorado State scores those thir- 13 points. They're out to a lead. And then that was the only points they ever scored. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. Uh, Air Force is still uh, able to kind of keep things going, and um, you know there it's going to be more of the same until somebody's able to kind of give them some trouble. Yeah, and that was a weird game. They were in the snow. I would assume that suits Air Force well since they're not going to throw the ball much. Um, Colorado State even got penalized for their fans throwing snowballs at Air Force at one point. So bizarre <laughs> game over there, but. Um, yeah, the Falcons keep rolling, and uh, interestingly, they've moved up to 17th in the top 25 AP poll, but college football playoff poll just came out the first one of the year, and they're at 25th behind Tulane at 24th, so uh, it's going to get interesting down the stretch about who's going to get that New Year's Six Bowl game, and if maybe the Bulldogs can sneak back in that. Well, they're going to need Air Force to lose one. Um, if Air Force loses, I believe Fresno State leapfrogs them in the um you know, the top 25 rankings uh, of getting them uh, up there because I think they're getting close to being back in the top 25. If they take care of Boise, they might actually crack the top 25 again, Um, but they still need Air Force to lose. (laughs) Um, That's going to be the problem. Um, Now, the next matchup, um, it, it sure lived up to the hype, Jackson, this uh, this next matchup. And that's uh, New Mexico uh, <laughs> taking on Nevada. Uh, Nevada coming away with a 34-24 win. You know, Nevada's just happy they got a win. Um, they should have got a win against New Mexico, but New Mexico still gave them a, 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 a little bit of a, a matchup there. Yeah, I mean, that's two wins in a row now for Nevada after losing, <laughs> what was it, uh, like, 16 18 in a row something like that yes um they got two in a row now um yeah they've officially got a winning streak now yeah they went up 24 nothing in this game too even though it looked pretty close at the end so yeah um we'll see if the wolf pack maybe caused any more uh damage in their last few games they got wyoming at the end of the season and they got to go to colorado state so we'll see if maybe they they bump some teams out of the standings there yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the last game that happened last week, other than the Fresno State-UNLV game, that was San Jose State taking on Hawaii on the islands and blanking the uh, the, the Warriors 35 to nothing. Um, that one's a head-scratcher, Jackson. Yeah, because you know Hawaii's not winning a lot right now, but they score points, <laughs> <laughs> right? They they operate that run and shoot. Braden Shager usually throws for three hundred yards plus, and they usually score twenty one plus points at least. And I mean, they just got totally dismantled in this game. And if you're keeping track, you know San Jose State's the next game for Fresno State after Boise, and the Spartans have a bye this week to get ready for the Bulldogs. The last three weeks, they've beaten Hawaii 35 nothing, as we just mentioned, 42-21 over Utah State, 52-24 at New Mexico. The week before that, they should have won at Boise State. They were up by 20 points and blew it. So the Spartans are on a roll. Um, their record may not be very good at 4-5, and five, but they had a heck of a schedule. They had to go to USC. They had Oregon State. They had at Toledo. They played Air Force as their conference opener. So uh, they got into a hole, but... They are three and two, so 
you know, if there's a two-loss team in the conference championship game, it could be them if they went out, depending on how things shake out. So they feel like they're in it, and you know they take that uh, Valley rivalry more seriously than probably we do over here in Fresno. <laughs> they they want to beat the Bulldogs bad. So uh, it's a huge hurdle for Fresno State against Boise State this week, but going to San Jose State might not be much easier the following week. No, no, and, and we'll be in attendance on that one, so... It's going to be uh, fun to watch. Now, the matchups for this upcoming week, There's the first game is going to be on Friday, and it is a key matchup, I think. And it's going to be Colorado State taking on Wyoming. Um, now, this matchup, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Jackson. I'm going to say Colorado State comes away with this one. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, just in general, the rivalry, I mean, it's going to be a weird one. Um, these two teams always get real physical and nasty when they play. And Colorado State, I mean, it's probably playing a little bit better, even though they've lost a couple. Um, they've been very close against some good teams in the conference, and, of course, they knocked off Boise. Um, Wyoming doesn't seem to be at their top right now, so I, I'm kind of with you right there. I think the Rams could do it. I think if Colorado State is if they if Colorado State can come away with a win here, that'll put uh, Wyoming even further back from Fresno State, all but guaranteeing uh, that the tiebreaker will not come into play for uh, for the the Bulldogs in Wyoming. So uh, yeah, let's root for Colorado State to knock one off here and and get a get a win against uh, Wyoming. That would also help improve their overall record to a four and five, putting them just within striking distance of becoming bowl eligible by the end of the season if they're able to, uh, you know, pull in a couple more wins. And Colorado State, I think, has the schedule to maybe be able to do that. So we'll we'll see what happens with these guys. Now moving into Saturday's games, um, uh, all of these games are going to happen prior to the Fresno State Boise State game. So we'll already know uh, a lot of what's going on before this game even kicks off. Um, so first game is going to be Army versus Air Force. Does Army have anything? Does Army even have a shot against Air Force, Jackson? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, the betting line is bizarre because the over under is 31 points yet air force is favored by 18 <laughs> so wow <laughs> i mean they're looking at what like 27 to set or 24 7 some of the scores somewhere in that range um 27 to 3 <laughs> i mean it's a, one of those types of games um i heard some bizarre stat recently that like the last 20 military service academy games have all gone on the under <laughs> even though the under over under is always like in the 30s um, Army or Air Force Navy recently played a pretty low scoring game, so I think Air Force dominates, but though probably the final margin is not going to be very wide, yeah, yeah. That I, I'm hoping for an upset, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see if the Army men have a, have a little juice in them to come after <laughs> the, the Air Force guys. Now, uh, the next game on the schedule, uh, again, I, I think probably you know the. You know, one of the most hyped games of, of the schedule, <laughs> and that's Hawaii against Nevada, Jackson. And uh, not really much bragging rights happening here other than uh, who's going to come away with a win and if Nevada can continue their winning streak. Yeah, I mean, technically Nevada's 2-2, two and two, and they don't really play any of the top teams the rest of the way. <laughs> They'd have to play Wyoming at the end of the year. That's about it. So, I mean... I guess if you're in that Nevada locker room, you know, never say never. <laughs> uh, but Hawaii is in a, a poor place. And, um, you know, Coach Chang was really brought there to stabilize the locker room and the team chemistry. And so if that is stabilized, I think Hawaii is the better team. But the way they left the field against San Jose State, it's hard for me to see them coming out very good this week. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a struggle for for them. So I, I'm I'm thinking Nevada extends their winning streak and keeps it going. <laughs> Um, now the next matchup, um, you know, we could hope for a miracle, but it's a uh, UNLV taking on New Mexico. I don't see much hope for New Mexico making a game out of this one. Yeah, you know, I I could see them staying competitive, but I mean, I don't see them winning by any means. UNLV is favored by about ten points, and I think they get it done. Um, you know, you still want to see UNLV drop a game to make sure if the Bulldogs do fall that the UNLV will at least have two losses. And they still got to play Wyoming. They got to go to Air Force. They got San Jose State. So I expect at least one more loss for them, even if it doesn't happen this week. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I agree with that one. Now, the next game, it's a head scratcher for me, Jackson. This is one that if you would have told me at the beginning (laughs) of the year that these two teams would have been completely out of the Mountain West Championship race, I would have said you were stupid. (laughs) But here we are, Utah State taking on San Diego State. Um, Winner of this one doesn't really come away with much other than they get a better record than the, than their predecessor uh, because they're both one and three in conference and three and five overall. So the winner of this gets a step up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, whoever wins this game will have at least a fighting chance of being bowl eligible. Um, Utah state's got a pretty manageable schedule. They've got uh, Nevada, New Mexico still to play. So if they do win this one, um, they can definitely get to six wins. I think San Diego State's kind of quit on this year, but both teams are coming off a bye and losses, so uh, whichever coaching staff has their team ready to play is going to take this one. Yeah, uh, I am putting my money on Utah State on this one. Uh, I think Utah State is uh, more organized and uh, still has fight in fight in them, whereas San Diego State, I think, gave up. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think they've pretty much called it a season already, so... We're going to be uh, taking a look at that. Now, a lot of this has implications on what is going to happen for Fresno State indirectly. Um, if a couple of teams are able to pull off a couple of upsets, that might bode well for the Bulldogs. However, going into this week, we've got Air Force at 5-0 and in conference, 8-0 and overall still, and and heavily ranked. Uh, Fresno State, 3-1 and in conference, and 7-1 and overall. Then of course you have UNLV uh, at three and one conference, six and two overall. Boise State at three and one in conference and four and four overall. Now those are the four teams that are uh, that is currently a four a four headed race, uh, with the wild cards being San Jose State uh, and still possibly Wyoming and. <laughs> Hate saying it. <laughs> Nevada still have a still have a still have an outside chance of making a run, but those are the uh, I I would say Wyoming and Nevada that are the dark horses. San Jose State is the wild card, and the other four teams are all, are all playing for position at this point. <laughs> yeah, and you know I I expect UNLV to lose once, uh, maybe twice. So I mean, it really feels like this Fresno State Boise State game could decide it i mean and i think boise state still has to play air force i have a hard time seeing them play i mean there could be some chaos there could be a two-loss team unless fresno state does run the table um so and when you get to those large tiebreakers um it could come down to computer rankings which right now actually favor fresno state heavily um air force is about 10 spots ahead of fresno state and most composite rankings and um, Fresno State's about another 20 spots ahead of UNLV, Boise, San Jose. So um, if the Bulldogs were to lose this week or next week, there's still very much hope that uh, they could be in that conference championship game. It's just complicated, and you don't want to have to worry about all that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it to go back to that, uh, that. I don't know what year it was when uh, Boise was awarded home field advantage for the conference championship, even though – Fresno State yeah. was what better ranked at the time, <laughs> and then I think that's when they changed everything. Um, uh, but it was it wasn't fair to say the least, yeah. right, Jackson? Yeah. That that that, that kind of left a bad taste in our mouth at that after that one. But this year, I mean, Fresno's going to need Air Force to at least lose one and jump them in the rankings in order to host the the conference championship. Jackson and I are both optimistic that's still going to happen. <laughs> because neither one of us wants to travel to go to Air Force. <laughs> we'll do it, but we don't want to. <laughs> uh, because that is going to be a cold one <laughs> if we if we do make that trip. So uh, if if you are um, if, if some of you are are wanting to do a little prayer, go right ahead and do one for Jackson and I so that we can get that happening. Uh, but Jackson, that that pretty much wraps it up. Are there any final thoughts um, before we start closing this one up? Yeah. Well, the next time we talk, which we'll hopefully be discussing a Fresno State win against Boise State, um, <laughs> the Bulldogs will have also had a basketball game. Uh, so make sure if you're interested in Bulldog hoops on Monday, there's a doubleheader. Uh, the women's team will play Fresno Pacific at 5 p.m. on Monday. 
Uh, the men's team will play right after at 7.30, tentatively scheduled, so you'll get your first chance to see those teams in action. And the men's game counts for the record, I believe, the way things go now. So uh, they do need to beat the Sunbirds, and <laughs> hopefully they, they do it in emphatic fashion because we've seen some of those games be closer than we would like to see them <laughs> in the years past. And last year's game was pretty close, so that kind of signaled some, some rough times. So... Um, so if you got some energy after Saturday night, uh, head back out to St. Mark Center on Monday. Um, but in general, uh, we've got a lot of coverage this week on the Broncos, the Bulldogs matchup. Uh, we'll have our in-depth report. Uh, we've got the latest on injuries, a couple guys to watch this week uh, that are of concern. Uh, we've got, uh, of course, the latest on the recruit that committed um, and a lot of other interviews and insights from practice this week leading up to Boise State. We'll break all that down all the way up to Saturday. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you haven't done so already, head over to the Bark Board. We'll have lots of uh, coverage for you um, and, uh, and and keeping things up to date. Uh, so uh, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at uh, JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. If you haven't done so already head over to the facebook page uh give it a like uh we post a lot of uh different things especially story links when it becomes available uh, so head over there and and check that out and also as always if you haven't done so already head over to the barkboard.com where we have both free and premium subscriptions but of course as always the premium subscription is where you want to be to get all the latest news and updates With that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.